Next on BYU Sports Nation, BYU, the Big 12, conference expansion? The vote that could put another shift in college football in motion. What national guys said about BYU making the jump to a Power 5 conference, and ESPN's Trevor Maddich tells us why BYU would be a great fit for the Big 12. Plus, BYU basketball analyst Anson Winder back on the show. Is he buying BYU's increasing stock for the NCAA tournament? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation live in Radio Vision, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Monday, January 4th, 2016. Wherever and however you're dialed in, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a very well-rested and semi-well-groomed Jerem Jordan. It's tradition. Whenever I come off a you know extended break, I have a mustache. So here we are. Now the thought was uh, sp- you know uttered um, a few minutes ago. What if I kept the stash until BYU yes. men's basketball lost? Yes. Now I, yes. Now I need to look at the schedule to assess this. Santa Clara and San Francisco this week. Gonzaga and Portland on the road next week. I'll do it. You're going to keep the mustache. I'll do it until BYU now, basketball. Now, loses. clarification: since we work at BYU, we have to be clean shaven, but we can have a well groomed mustache. So this fits within the confines of the code of honor here at Brigham. Okay, <laughs> so everything's cool. Worked it out with HR. Toby and HR is cool with it. Everything's awesome. I love that you just said within the confines of the code of honor here at Brigham. Here at the establishment at the <laughs> University of Brigham. Don't shave the mustache until BYU basketball loses. I won't loses. shave it until BYU loses. I love it so much. So I have now, I have now provided another hairy motivation <laughs> going in to the McCarthy Athletic Center. Some people are like, oh, please, BYU lose next in Spokane game. <laughs> next week. Unfortunately, I cannot go to that game like last year. Um, we have men's volleyball matches that I'll be doing, I believe, with Gonzaga. Yeah, we're doing Stanford matches. What? So I won't be there. You so, can't make the so men's basketball team. It's, you're on your own this time, man. I, I can't. I can't help you this time. We all remember what happened the last time. <laughs> Jaron went to the Northwest. Little less of it. it, it it's actually a good thing because I'd shave my mustache. You know, I'd rather be where you win anyway. Enough about me. This year, tell me you're not going to shave your head if BYU wins at Gonzaga. I'm not doing anything with yeah. shave head okay. ever, man. Okay. <laughs> Lesson I learned. did that. It's over. <laughs> Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Speaking of men's basketball, they split road games last week, losing to St. Mary's 85-74 on New Year's Eve, but beating Pacific 81-67. Chase Fisher had another big game. Uh, ESPN's Joe Lenardi released fresh bracketologist this morning. This okay. is interesting. Okay. Look at this. <laughs> The Cougars are sitting at fifth out after a loss to St. Mary's in a win versus Pacific this past week. Now, BYU was 11th out midweek before St. Mary's BYU loses, then beats Pacific, and climbs six. Now, you have to look at the whole nation, and that's what Joe Lenardi does. BYU jumped up six spots. Overreaction Thursday is over. I wish I could tell you how many tweets were sent to my Twitter account. Or text messages from me. BYU's not getting in. You're an idiot. Well, I didn't say those words, but the idiot part I did. But I didn't say the. <laughs> I didn't say BYU's not getting in. It's so early. We're not technically. We're not even halfway through the regular season. That will that yeah. that game, game takes place on Thursday. Yeah, that will be the first game into the second half of the season. Let BYU play St. Mary's and Gonzaga at home. Let those games happen. Yeah. No, no, Tim Lacombe after the Harvard game tweeted, "It's a marathon, not a sprint." Truer words couldn't have been spoken. Absolutely. Or tweeted. 
The Detroit Lions wrapped up the regular season in the NFL with a 24-20 win over the Chicago Bears. How about this? Kyle Van Noy had a tackle. Ziggy Ansah had a sack and three tackles, giving him 14 and a half on the season. Tied for third in the league. He also laughed in the face of Jay Cutler, which was quite hilarious. That was awesome. That was an awesome Jay bond. Cutler shoved him, and then he just pointed at him and laughed. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know you've won the battle, right? You just laugh at the opponent. Oh, I love that it's Jay Cutler so much, too. Oh, the Chiefs' Daniel Sorensen had two tackles and a 23-17 win against the Oakland Raiders. Kansas City has won 10 straight, then now face the Texans in a wild-card playoff game this week. And the women's basketball team beat Pacific as well, 79-62. Kylie Maeda, career-high 17 points in the win. 12 in the first quarter. Nice job, Kylie. On that note, rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Decision Day happens on January 15th. That's right. January 15th is Decision Friday in San Antonio, Texas at the NCAA convention. Many of you are probably thinking, okay, so what does this have to do with BYU again? How about some backdrop? on what exactly will happen that day from Sports Illustrated's Pete Thamel. Quote, the date Big 12 fans need to circle on their calendars is January 15th. Are we Big 12 fans? As, I, th- I yes, think so, right? Yes. As a vote at the NCAA convention could provide a trigger for change. The 10 FBS conferences will vote on the Big 12's proposed legislation to waive the requirement that a conference can only stage a championship game if it has 12 or more member schools, meaning the Big 12 wants to schedule a championship game with only 10 members. And the rest of college football, it looks like, isn't on board with that. Now, now that, that could trigger some change, like it says. Now, the BYU to Big 12 convo got stoked up over the weekend, thanks to at G Swain, Greg Swain. He'll be on the show on Thursday. He said this, speaking of that vote, Looking like Power 5 vote will go 6-4 to force the Big 12 to have divisions if they want to host a conference championship game. And the group of five vote 3-2. BYU is the leader for an invite with the Cincinnati Bearcats at number two, end quote. So that's not the news per se, right? We all know that BYU is heavily involved in that conversation of potential candidates for expansion. Certainly, But you don't want this to pass on January 15th so that... Uh, the Big 12 feels like they need to expand. Now, if the Big 12 did expand, this would not kick in for the 2016 season. I imagine that would be the start of the 2017 season. And st- so we're still a ways out. This, pr- this uh, NCAA convention has to happen. I can't think of a more boring thing to go to than an NCAA convention. Anyway, then, then, you, th- then you think of this proposal. Then the Big 12 has to decide, do we, need a, do we want a conference championship game? They can just keep playing with 10 teams and not have one. But you can see where... One true champion. One true champion. You, you could see where it's probably in their best interest in the long run to do this, and you can see it trending that direction. And then BYU would come in where, okay, uh, can you work things out with BYU? And BYU has some interesting challenges uh, associated with it, but I would think that if the Big 12 does expand at some point, that BYU is obviously looked at heavily, and I think that they would be in that conference. Isn't it interesting that Oklahoma got in? Okay, they got into the college football playoff, but because they were the four seed— and because they, they dropped a spot, they didn't have a Heisman Trophy candidate with Baker Mayfield, the quarterback at Oklahoma. He he kind of fell off the map because he wasn't on display the last week. 
during championship weekend. Yes. No, it, it, makes, it makes sense to expand. But if there were two candidates that fit the bill and they wanted, they would have done it already. They, they're going to have to be coerced to do so. Certainly. That brings us to today's Twitter question, my friends. When someone begins talking about Big 12 expansion, you react how? <laughs> there have been some amazing, amazing uh, gifts on this. It's been awesome. But at Monique laughs, yawn, hashtag yawn, been there, heard that. See, there's two sides of the coin here, at least. Um, but a coin only has two sides, I think. So you have the people that love it, and they're like, oh, like the coaching search, like, I can't get enough. And then the just tell me when we get in, if we get in crowd. How do you react? Use the hashtag BYUSN. Now, I know that this is a loaded topic, okay? And you might be saying, well, who's this Greg Swaim guy? That's one guy's opinion. He's not the only one that's chiming in. It, listen, in favor of BYU. We don't bring up garbage like some one dude who's on a message board from West Virginia, okay? That's for <laughs> you on Twitter to worry about. We don't discuss those guys here, even though I did just bring them up. Okay. He's not the source for this conversation. So Pete Thamel, and a lot of you read this article. It was released on December 27th, and I thought he had some great points. And he's tied in, okay, of Sports Illustrated. He asks, which schools would the Big 12 add if it chooses to expand? And he says the near consensus is BYU and Cincinnati would be the next in line if the Big 12 elects to expand. But as you said, Jerem, and he, he echoes this, the cruel reality is that if there were slam dunk candidates to add value to the league, those schools would already have been added. Yeah, I, yeah. and that's, that's where the thought com- came from was that, and, and, and it makes sense. BYU just needs to do its thing and be in position. BYU cannot do anything uh, – crazy to me to the Big 12 that would be like, oh, now we'll take you. They just have to repeat their message. And I'm sure that BYU is, uh, you know, in the ear of the Big 12 saying, hey, we're here if and when you want to do this, right? Bottom line is you need to pay attention to January 15th and hope yes. that the Big 12's proposal of being able to host a championship game with only 10 teams does not pass. Yeah, that's the key there. And, and all 10 get a vote. Um I would be shocked if they all all that carries the same. I have some questions that I don't know the answer to on some of that stuff, which is Power Five conferences, do their votes matter more? Like, does the Sun Belt have as much sway as the SEC in that situation? That would make no sense to me. But but maybe it does for whatever reason. I don't know how that works. Like, is it just, okay, 10 votes? If, it, if it's 5-5, five, five, it doesn't pass. It has to – or it, uh, if it's a tie, then we stay the same. If it's, uh, you know, 6-4 to four against, then – it doesn't pass, and now yeah, I, have, I have a lot of questions with this. It's interesting. Like for I sure. said, we'll let we'll let those guys hang out in San Antonio and figure that out. Well, now and here, the Thamel of Sports Illustrated said that if this legislation is shot down, seventy percent chance. I don't roughly, know how he comes up with that number. I, I don't know either. But he's got it. He has to have a base somewhere, right? He puts it into bracket matrix, and then it spits out a computation that helps him uh, assess the situation. Ha 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 ha! A joke. Yes. <laughs> You can't grow a mustache. I was waiting for that. 70% chance the league will expand during the next year or two if this legislation does not pass. So January 15th, if you want BYU in a Power 5 conference, you want that legislation not to pass. And the Big Ten, like several other conferences, it would appear, don't want it to pass either. They want conformity or uh, you know the same situation for everybody. They don't think it's fair that they're best team, playoff contender, could lose in that championship game, whereas the Big 12 does not have that situation. And on the other side, the Big 12 does not benefit from a championship game financially and, like you said, with uh, you know, star power, Heisman candidate, 
But more importantly, you just don't get that boost that like all Ohio of that State factors in. got last year. All of it factors in. It's going to be a an absolute gamble every year for the Big Twelve if they continue to not have a championship game. It's just and and it's, they can be proactive and expand and hold their ground, in my opinion, or they can wait to be potentially picked from again. See Texas A and M, Missouri, Nebraska, and so forth. Um, and then they, they had to bring in They're somebody. The they had to bring in West yeah. Virginia, right? They, you could be proactive or you can kind of sit and wait. Not, neither one is necessarily the right choice. You have, to, you have to see what happens. Remember everyone wanting BYU to go to the Big East? That was the right decision not to be proactive and go to that conference. When someone begins talking about Big 12 expansion, you react how? At Nick Lee 51 says, like a giddy schoolgirl hoping to be invited to the dance. Okay, that's one angle. <laughs> I never want to act like a giddy schoolgirl, but sometimes <laughs> that happens, doesn't it? Up next on BYU Sports Nation, we put football on hold for just a bit and dive into BYU basketball. Anson Winder back on the show. Is he buying the Cougars for the NCAA tournament? BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Simulcast on BYU Radio, moving pictures on BYU TV. Our conversation is happening right now on Twitter. Follow us at BYU Sports Nation. Chime in using the hashtag BYUSN. Hey, Thursday night, BYU Men's Hoops is back in action. 11 Eastern time on ESPNU. Then we're back, BYU TV is Saturday, 9 Eastern time with Santa Clara. Sorry, opposite of that. Santa Clara Thursday, San Francisco Saturday. So you can watch ESPNU Thursday and then BYU TV has the game Saturday. Twitter question today. When someone begins to talk about Big 12 expansion, you react how? <laughs> I just read this tweet a moment ago, and I, I'm going to hurl as I read it again. At Justin D. Sweeney says, like a dog to his vomit, I'm disgusted, but I eat it up. Why? Who put that one in the script? Why did we have to read that one? I, I get oh, it. I almost I get didn't. It, but... I almost didn't, but wow. Yeah, who, who in the control? Who, who did that? Oh, point him out. Someone call him out. Justin D. Sweeney. <laughs> <laughs> People are laughing and no one did. At no the one wants time. to call him out. <laughs> uh. Joining us now oh in Studio B is BYU basketball analyst Anson Winder. Anson, on that note, let's just move past it. Welcome back to the show, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So okay, so how how is your reaction when when someone says BYU to the Big Twelve? How do you react? At this point, it's like, you know, when it happens, I'll be excited. You know, when we actually join, it'll be great news. But now it's just kind of like talk, you know, and until it, you see something come to fruition and see that manifest, it's like, ah, you know, I'll wait and, wait and see. I'm kind of tired of talking So you're the about unimpressed. It. Yeah. The unimpressed look. Big time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you just, you just, people have cried wolf too many times. Yeah, exactly. You know, Especially over the course of this, you know, this year. It's yeah. like, man, let it just come already. Yeah. So we were talking about hoops and how BYU climbed six spots in Lenardi's bracketology. Why do you think he had BYU climbing six spots despite losing a game at St. Mary's? Um, I think he's looking at the schedule overall. Um, you look back to that Hawaii tournament, how important that was. You see them beat a Northern Iowa team that will be very good throughout the rest of the year and a New Mexico team that will compete in the Mountain West Conference. So I think he's looking at the strength of schedule and saying, hey, you know, BYU, you know, they had some games that won't help them as much in March, but they also have some games that can carry weight also. The losses they've had on the road, those teams at home combined – 31 and 1. We should have done a uh, stat of the day with that. We got a different stat of the day. We'll bust it out in a minute. 31 (laughs) and 1. That's the stat of the day. Okay, so those teams playing really well at home. So for those fans who are like, no, BYU should beat St. Mary's and they should beat Colorado, is that that asking? It's 
I, I think that there is no other sport in college athletics that's tougher to win on the road than in college basketball. Oh, I totally agree. Well, even you think about coming to the Marriott. We don't expect to lose on the Marriott. So the fact that these teams are winning at home, that's expected because they're usually better at home. What do you think of St. Mary's? Because uh, I, I don't believe they've left the Bay Area. They played like 12 home games or something crazy, right? Is it that many? That's a lot. Um, if BYU had that, <laughs> they would probably be 12 and 1. Yeah, they could be 12 and 1 right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what, BYU loses to St. Mary's, but what do you think of St. Mary's? Um, like you said, yeah, you play that many games at home. Uh, it's kind of deceiving because you don't know how they're going to do on the road. You don't know the, the road tests that they face. They haven't faced many road tests. So I think they have, what, six games on the road coming up. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do and how they fare on the road. It's kind of too early to tell for me right now. Is BYU the third best team in the league currently? I asked myself after that game on, on Thursday and Saturday, and it's scary because we're talking about two teams that we still haven't played yet that have were, had Gonzaga on the ropes and very well should have beat Gonzaga. You're and talking San about Francisco and, San Francisco and Santa Clara. San Francisco was up 10 with like a few minutes left in the game. 16 with yeah. seven or something. Seven left, and Santa Clara was in control of the game for probably 35 minutes. So you talked about those two teams that BYU hasn't played yet, and they're already one loss in the conference. So it's, it's scary to, to, to kind of answer that question right now. This week will be a, a strong tell. Handle business at home. Win in the Marriott Center, crucial for BYU. I, I want to talk about holiday tournaments because a team like St. Mary's, they didn't, they didn't go out and, and challenge themselves. BYU did. What is the biggest benefit of playing in Hawaii or somewhere else in a challenging holiday tournament? Um, getting that experience for younger guys and then winning. You see them w- win two big games on the road away from home. That was one thing that we had a concern about before the tournament started was can they win on the road and win away from the Marriott Center, and they proved that they could. So that's just going to carry weight going into conference play, and granted they didn't do that against St. Mary's, but the experience is still building, and guys are still contributing and making plays, and you're hoping that that pays dividends in these next few road games. When I look at BYU's potential tournament resume at the end of the year, they need a road win of significance. And there's only what, one left on the schedule. Does BYU need to go up to Spokane and beat Gonzaga again? Uh, most definitely. I think uh, with the strength that we had last year, um, we still needed that win, and we were able to go there and produce. So uh, at this point now, you do need to win all of your away games and then go to Gonzaga and win there, which is no tall tale. I mean, that's, that's asking a lot, but it is something that is needed, and I think it'll – Along with that and going to the conference tournament and getting to the semis or championship with a conference tournament, those will be weight um, benefactors that will be needed in March. Anson Winder with us on BYU Sports Nation in Studio B. Let's talk about some specifics of this team. It kind of seems like live by the three, die by the three, and Chase Fisher is carrying that, that banner. When he plays well, it seems like BYU wins. Is it, is it that simple for the Cougars right now? Um, at this point, it, it kind of is because we're not seeing much low post offense, you know, through these last couple of games. We haven't got a whole lot um, from our low post scores. Um, so we've been relying a lot on three point line, which in the past, Coach Rose, like, as we know, he likes to shoot a lot of threes. We've done it all with all of our teams in the past. But we see now that when we shoot bad and don't have the low post scoring, that these games Leave aren't them. turning out the way that we would like them to turn out. Yeah, when you look at uh, you know production from Kyle Davis, I guess only the four points at Pacific, but BYU makes, what, 11 threes or something. Um, generally, he's been pretty good this year, but it's interesting to see the effect that Chase has on this team. And I think it's because there's not a lot behind him. Yeah. J- Jake Toulson not playing 
let alone developing to the degree that we we thought he had made the jump, is is affected this team in a way where Chase needs to show up. And but Chase the last four games has been awesome, which is our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Chase Fisher's averaging 27.8 points per game in the last four. He had that 41. That certainly helps, but he's been 20-plus the last four. What what has been different in the last four for Chase? Um, confidence. I think you're seeing him take shots that we all expect him to take and make, and he's hitting those shots at a high level. I mean, that shooting percentage the last four games is, is what carried um, BYU throughout some of these wins, and, and it's proven that, yeah, we do rely on the three, and once we hit them, we can be a dangerous team. Anson Winder with us on BYU Sports Nation. We're talking BYU hoops and their NCAA tournament chances now. Okay, let me give you a little bit of backdrop on this, Ants. TeamRankings.com is uh, a qualified and notable website. They have BYU with a 71% chance of making the tournament if the Cougars win 26 games. They're 10-5 and five right now. So that would mean 16-2 and two if BYU can get to the West Coast Conference Championship game in March. What kind of a shot do you give BYU to pull off something like that? So you go 16 and 2. That is a long shot, but it's definitely doable. I mean, we've seen the best team in the league, which is Gonzaga, be against the ropes against the Santa Clara and San Francisco. So it's it is definitely doable. And you can win you can beat St. Mary's at home when it's time for them to come back to the Marriott. So it's definitely doable, but with 26 wins, I find it hard for someone not to make the tournament. You know what I mean? With, with that many wins. See, I'm and shocked it's only 71% with 26. Yeah, and it drops to 32% if it's 25. So yeah. let's say BYU is really good and they're 15-3. and three. Yeah. They have a 32% chance, according to TeamRanks.com, <laughs> right which is a big for, drop. for whatever that's worth. Yeah. No, weird, right? Yeah, that is. It, it just goes to show you how important all these games will be down the stretch. Every game is going to be important. It's going to carry weight. and. Yeah, sixteen and two is it's it's a you're asking a lot, but it's something that you know you can catch fire and definitely do. Um, but it's a matter of focus and maintaining the the, the successes that you had throughout the course. We're of We're having year. big picture conversation right now, and you can do that now because you're an analyst, yeah. and not specifically a player. <laughs> have you broken, I'm not have you broken through in that to where you can like see it differently? Yeah, a, a broader scheme. Yeah, yeah, I have. It took a while because I've focused on every play and <laughs> like, every game, and it's like, just worry man. about, we just need this one possession. We just need to score right here. <laughs> and now it's more grand scheme, focused on a few plays together and games at a time, and I don't know, it's interesting. Did I'm you weird. ever have a big picture conversation while you were a player with a teammate? Um, you do, you know, preseason when it's like, okay, we do this and this is what will manifest at the end. But when through the course of the year, you have to focus on the next game. It's all about the next game, the next play. Coach is always saying, you got to focus on the next play. I know he's telling the guys that now and focus on the next game. The next game is the biggest game of the year. Santa Clara and San Francisco will be the two biggest games of the year coming up because they're teams that we know have had success and can proven that they've had top teams on the ropes. They've shown it. So it's all about the next game, not the bigger picture of, you know, what's going to happen in March. It's interesting because, the like, the phrasing, it's a marathon. You guys don't treat it like a marathon. You treat it like 100-meter sprints, but yeah. you're running a marathon. Exactly. Just do this 100-meter sprint and then go on from there. Can we talk about Zach Selgis and how awesome he's been? Um, phenomenal. He is BYU's bench scoring. He is shooting 60% or something from three. I'll look it up and see the exact thing, but... Does Zach sell you? Does BYU need to try and work Zach into the offense a little more, given his success so far? Um, or is that because of his role? I think that's his role. Um, he comes in and he finds his spots, and, and he's so comp. You can see the confidence when he's shooting the ball. Even when I see him shoot him, I expect him to make shots. I think last week he was at like what seventy one percent. That was like the stat of the day, which is just silly, like that, which it's is silly. unreal. <laughs> 
And for now to even still be in the 60s is remarkable from this list late in the year. And to be a freshman making plays coming off a of bench, you're not even starting coming off making, you know, shooting this well. is It's awesome. It's phenomenal. I think the scare that we had early in the year was that there was no scoring coming off of the bench. And he's proven that he can be that sixth man that can come in and provide points for the team. And he's shown that he can have big games. So uh, it's awesome to see. And we will need more of it going on. 28 of 45, 62%. Uh, double figures in four games this year. Uh, 12 against Northern Iowa, 3 against St. Mary's, and, the, and he had the flu, and then 14 against Pacific. So, contributing. But I still think that BYU needs more from Jordan Chapman. Needs a little more consistency from, from Nick. Jamal Eights, I think, showed some bright spots against Definitely. even St. Mary's, right? Definitely. And he'll even provide, you know, if he get, once you see him get more comfortable and adjusted in his role, uh, more low post scoring that we haven't seen these last couple of weeks. And, you know, Something that we went to a lot early in the year. We saw Carla Davis get a lot of touches. Corbin Cruz get a ton of touches. And I think Coach will want to get back to that to a certain extent, along with hoping to hit outside shots. Okay, Anson, you uh, can be an expert on this next topic for oh, sure. Boy. Oh, boy. Jerem has said <laughs> that he will not shave his mustache until BYU basketball loses. Okay, what kind of motivation can that provide for this team to keep winning? Because you won at Gonzaga because I said the shaved head <laughs> thing, right? It wasn't Ryan Andrews' two free throws. It wasn't Skylar Halford's. It, know, was it was totally the shaved head thing. <laughs> so the fact that the mustache is going to be there, it's going to fire the guys up. That's all. That's the ignition right there. That's the it's going to get the guys going. And then there's certain guys that are like, that thing is stinky. we got, we got to get rid of that thing by any means. <laughs> they might come and get you in your sleep or something. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What's, what's happened to Corbin Kafusi? He's, he's not playing a lot. Rotations, ineffective? What, what is Matchups? Um, I think it's rotations. You know, we, we've talked about it before where coaches found lineups that he thinks will provide success, and we have seen that with some of the games that we've been winning. And, and we've done that having four guards on the floor. I think we've seen Zach go to the four and kind of step out and stretch defenses because he can shoot so well, and that's caused Kyle Davis to play the five or Nate to play the five or Kapusi to have to split time and play a little bit of the five. You know, So that's definitely uh, – hopefully his confidence is still there and he can still kind of come back in and contribute because it's going to be needed later on in the year as mm-hmm. we play – as we do play Gonzaga, you know, the size that they have, he's going to need to go down there and bang with those bigs. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, we definitely have, we have seen a drop off in his minutes, but hopefully it's not derailing. Hopefully Corbin has another rainbow jump hook at, at <laughs> Gonzaga. That was, that was the most amazing shot of last year. Okay, when that goes in, you're like, okay, BYU's going to win. It's like, this, this is our day. <laughs> there was some stuff that happened there. It's like, well, we can't lose. <laughs> I, I started shaving my head when he made that shot. I was like, it's, it's over. It's over. Anson, great to have you with us, man. Guys, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Hopefully yeah. Jerem's mustache hasn't scared you off. That's all I could look at today. You used to have a mustache, didn't you? I did, but nothing as fierce as that. <laughs> fierce, that's kind. <laughs> oh, Uncle Rico says he loves my mustache. Absolutely he does. <laughs> you throw a football over them mountains over there. We would have won state, no doubt. <laughs> we'll be back with more on BYU Sports Nation, including more football discussion. ESPN's Trevor Maddish up next. Why he thinks the Cougars are a good fit for the Big 12. And is he buying this legislation talk? 
Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan in Radio Vision Live on a Monday. You're listening on BYU Radio, watching on BYU TV, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Hey, put it in your Franklin planner. Friday night, 9 Eastern time on BYU TV, the men's volleyball season begins. Number one ranked BYU hosts the back-to-back national champions in the Smithfield House, Loyola from Chicago. Check it out Friday night, 9 Eastern. And number one ranked. So much for establishing low expectations. Oh, baby. The, the hype is volleyball. there, baby. The blue goggles for the men's volleyball team. Let's what? refresh today's BYUSN headlines. BYU basketball began conference play 1-1 one and one on the road last week. Lost at St. Mary's, but rebounded with a 14-point win against Pacific on Saturday. ESPN's Joe Lenardi has fresh bracketology this morning. The Cougars are sitting at fifth out after a loss to St. Mary's and a win versus Pacific last week. So BYU climbs six spots. Whoa! What? The Detroit Lions wrapped up the regular season with a 24-20 win over the Chicago Bears. Ziggy Ansah beat Jay Cutler. <laughs> if you, yeah, okay. If just, just go and look at the vine if you haven't seen it yet. Anyway, <laughs> three tackles in a sack. They gave him 14 and a half on the season. That's third in the NFL. Daniel Sorensen and the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Raiders 23-17. They'll now face the Houston Texans in a wild card game. On Saturday. And the women's basketball team beat Pacific as well, 79-62, led by a career-high 17 points from Kylie Maeda. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is ESPN's Trevor Maddich, college football analyst and insider, BYU National Champion. Trevor, nice to have you on the program once again. Great to join you guys. Believe it or not, BYU to the Big 12 rumors have started again. So with that said... The Big 12 is going to vote on whether or not they can play a championship game without divisions on January 15th. Do you think that that legislation will pass and they'll, they'll be able to have a championship game without getting to 12 teams? I don't think it will pass because I think the other conferences don't want the Big 12 to have its cake and eat it too. Other conferences expanded and had their title game, but they also had the headaches of all the extra teams in there and then all the scheduling issues and things like that. When Texas A&M and Missouri left the Big 12 and went to the SEC, the broadcast partners, for the most part, didn't penalize the Big 10 or Big 12 financially for losing those markets, and so they're dividing their money amongst 10 teams. If they add a championship game, they'll get the extra money from the championship game, and they won't have to expand to possibly dilute some of that money. So I think that the other conferences don't want the Big 12 to have that kind of a double advantage. So if it does- doesn't pass, and they're forced to uh, potentially expand. Do you see BYU being invited to the Big 12 in that situation? I think it's possible. The thing about BYU to the Big 12 that makes sense for the Big 12 is that it expands their national uh, you know, footprint without expanding their geographical footprint. BYU is a true national program. And in the Big 12 right now, you've got Texas, Oklahoma, Baylor, and TCU are on the way. And then if they add BYU, that's another national brand. The, the rest of the Big 12 is uh, you know, not, not as much of a national brand as BYU is right now. So they'll get eyeballs on televisions from coast to coast for BYU games, the conference games, that they wouldn't necessarily get for other potential expansion candidates. So that is a, a, an interesting thing there. Also, I don't know, people have talked about getting Central Florida and, and teams like that, which would get a recruiting foothold in the state of Florida, but it also becomes a wildly um, scattered geographic 
situation for the conference. They've already got West Virginia way out there uh, on the far east of the United States of America just about. So I think that BYU makes a lot of sense. Now, whether or not they go with BYU, I don't know. But I think for the Big 12, there's a, there's a lot of reasons beyond just the, the market, the television market that BYU's in, to bring BYU in that would enhance their, their conference. In your opinion, why wouldn't the Big 12 invite BYU? I think if they wouldn't invite BYU, there'd be a couple of reasons. One is uh, they may want to get bridges to that West Virginia campus. In other words, they might want to bring in Cincinnati, which is also a recruiting hotbed of the state of Ohio. Uh, And they may add a team like Memphis as well to give two teams that would be more of a natural rival in conference for uh, West Virginia. And it would also be two shorter trips for the Olympic sports. Instead of West Virginia having to send the wrestling team all the way out to Lubbock, Texas, they get a couple of shorter trips in there. And so that's one of the reasons why you may see the Big 12 look to the east instead of to BYU. Follow him at T. Maddich on the Twitter machine. Trevor Maddich with us on BYU Sports Nation. The football program here at Brigham Young University in a state of transition with Kalani Satake taking over. Ty Detmer is the offensive coordinator. So some real excitement happening. But before we move to 2016 with that new-look BYU team, where do you see BYU right now as a program coming off of the 2015 season? I think BYU has earned a lot of respect this year. I mean, the, the, the way the season started with those four tough teams and the way that they, they, they played, I mean, they, they were 2-2 two and two over the course of that. They lost a tight one at UCLA, and then they were just sort of out of gas when they went to play Michigan. But it turns out Michigan is, is fantastic this year. But I think the way BYU started the season earned respect from the national audience. And then I think as the season wore on, BYU maintained that respect. And I think that's a, that's a good thing for them going forward because when you look at the bowl game, even though they lost to Utah, the fact that they fell behind 35 to nothing in the first quarter and they didn't tank, they fought back and, and had a chance to tie that thing up, that – I think built a lot of respect in the national media and from the national fans, football fans in general, not just BYU fans. So I think there's there's excitement for what Tanner Mangum brings to the table, uh, and I think they don't even realize Mangum's going to have to keep getting better because there are other quarterbacks around there. I mean, Bo Hodge is a guy that can play football. There 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 are people out there that uh, are are in position to compete for starting jobs, and that the cupboard is not bare. And I think people know that as well. And because of all that, I think BYU this year will enter the season with with a lot of eyeballs on them, wondering what they'll be able to do next and expecting them to do well. Trevor, where should BYU's focus be as they prepare for the 2016 season, which essentially begins uh, today, first day of class on campus, guys like Troy Warner, uh, you know, enrolled and getting ready, handsome, tiny yellow. Where should BYU's focus be in 2016? Well, ultimately, they need to run the ball again. And they, they just couldn't because of, you know, the, the situation at running back where starters gone and, you know, they didn't really have the mix of running backs that they needed. And the offensive line didn't, didn't blow open holes like they needed to. Ultimately, the passing attack, as good as it was, was relying on a quarterback who had just an all-timer of a knack of throwing the ball into a, a tight spot and receivers who were big 
powerful, tall guys with strong hands that were able to win individual matchups. Well, some of those guys, a lot of those guys are gone now in terms of the receivers especially. And so the the BYU offense will have to get back to running the ball successfully. And how they do that remains to be seen. I mean, Ty Detmer is an offensive coordinator. Uh, we'll see what he does because uh, he'll bring in a lot of knowledge from the NFL about how best to complement a pro-style passing game with the running attack. And so from a scheme standpoint, we may see him slow down a little bit in terms of, in terms of the, uh, uh, the tempo of the offense. May not. I don't know. But either way, whatever they do, the running game has got to be the first priority. Trevor, you of all people who won a national championship here at BYU understand that expectations are sky high for BYU any and every football season. They will peak this year because a guy like Ty Detmer is returning to Provo. What would you say to fans that really think that BYU should win every game on the schedule next year? Well, think that. That's good. That's what fans are for. That's their job. You know, and if, they, if, the, if BYU played the Pittsburgh Steelers in September, the fans should expect BYU to win that game. But what you also need to understand is that, that football has remained the same, even though society has moved on in different directions. One of those places is, is just the nature of the hardcore building of a young man in football. And sometimes when you pull back the curtain and you see what looks like a guy being mistreated a little bit, he's actually not. He's being pushed by a coach who loves him, who knows that he's got more in him, and the player himself doesn't know that. And so the coach is getting him to, to be better, and the player will ultimately love him for it. But that doesn't always look good when you pull back the curtain, and we've seen that happen a few times with coaches kind of being hard on some players in, in this season. And another thing is that it takes time. I mean, we are in a, a society now where, where everything is defined by a 140-character tweet, and it means the world. I mean, the world, what somebody says to you in a, in a tweet, but then an hour from now, that tweet is old news. And this is sort of the cycle. It's like the life cycle of a lifespan of a gnat. You know, it just, just <laughs> no attention span. Football requires um, delayed gratification. And so as society moves on to less and less attention span and more and more instant gratification, football to be successful remains what it's always been, which is delayed gratification and, and tough people making other people tougher than they thought they could be. And that takes time. It all takes time. So I think what fans need to understand is that even though there's so much excitement with the new staff and some of the new commits in terms of recruiting and all that stuff, this is still a long-term process, and it takes time to get to where they need to go. So as much as fans want to win them all every time, every year, uh, as long as the trajectory is going in the right direction, then fans should give the coaching staff time to build that. Oh, yeah, 5K is way more desirable than a marathon, that's for sure. When you look at the bowl season, a lot of blowouts. What have you thought of this bowl season, Trevor? Yeah, the blowouts have been amazing. I mean, really amazing. And I tell you this, I'm disappointed in Oklahoma. You know, I mean, they, they faced the Clemson team that may end up being the best team in the country. Certainly they're ranked number one. But in the second half, Clemson took their will. It looked to me like Oklahoma was completely discouraged and dispirited. And, and, and I don't think they quit, but I think they lost the will to fight like they needed to fight. And that, that was sort of a recurring theme. Then you look at TCU against Oklahoma, or excuse me, against Oregon, though. Then Oregon goes ahead, what was it, 38-3 to or something, just this huge halftime lead. 
And TCU comes back with a backup quarterback and wins that game. The opposite thing happened. Instead of the Horn Frogs losing their will to fight, they redoubled their will to fight and ended up executing one of the great comebacks in bowl history. Certainly, I think it's the biggest one in terms of points. And so it's interesting when you know people say that some teams just don't want to be where they are. Or they lose. You know, they wish they were in a different bowl or. To me, that makes no sense at all. If you're a competitor, you're a competitor. And it shows up in a bowl game. In TCU, they could have tanked it, played out the last 30 minutes, and gone home. Instead, they fought. Oklahoma, I don't think, fought nearly as hard as TCU did in the second half of their game against Clemson. So, you know, it's always interesting to watch how individuals respond to the situation that they're in. So with this blowout theme kind of overshadowing the current bowl season, what kind of a game do you expect in the national championship? between Alabama and Clemson? I think it'll be uh, the first two and a half quarters will be similar to Alabama and um, Michigan State. I think Clemson's defensive front, like Michigan State's defensive front, is good enough to slow down Derrick Henry, the Alabama running back, for two and a half quarters or so. But after that, they're going to need help from their offense to put points on the board so that Alabama's going to have to throw rather than want to choose to throw. And that's one thing that Michigan State's offense was not able to do. And at that point, about two and a half quarters in, Alabama just, just, just started a steamroll. And when I look at these two teams, I see a Clemson team on defense that's very similar to Alabama in a lot of ways. But I think Alabama's depth is greater. Alabama has more guys on defense, especially in the front seven, that they can rotate in, that can make plays uh, than Clemson does. And so I think if this thing just becomes an old-fashioned slugfest, in the end, Alabama will come out on top because of their depth. But the thing about Clemson is that they're so aggressive at the line of scrimmage on defense that I think they'll be able to slow down what Derrick Henry's doing, and I think they cover better than Michigan State did. So I think they'll have a better chance of slowing down or, or not allowing so many big passes down the field. So this, I think, could be a very close game into the third quarter. And then after that, it'll all depend on Clemson's offense. Are they able to move the ball and put some points up? Because if they are, then it'll go down to the wire. If they're not, then I think it'll break open in Alabama's favor, just like it did against Michigan State. Trevor, our expectations on this show for you will always remain sky high, if you're okay with that. Uh, I'm I'm fine with it. Just uh, catch me if I fall. (laughs) You got it. Thanks for the time, Trevor. All right. Thanks, guys. Trevor Maddich on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Trevor's a, Trevor's a strong dude. I'm not sure that we could catch, catch him, him if, if he, he fell. fell. Yeah, I think that we would need some help. We're bringing Anson. When someone begins talking about Big 12 expansion, you react how? The I, gifs from this have been <laughs> awesome. What was it, Raiders of the Lost Ark? The dude, the his dude's face, face melt. melting. Yeah. yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> a, little, a little graphic. Up next, we discuss more bracketology. BYU Sports Station presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan doing it live in Studio B. Remember, if you miss an episode of BYU Sports Station live, catch the rebroadcast weeknights on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. By the way, we still need to send out that, that Twitter poll. Today is not the day for that. But fans will decide if there will be a daily countdown on this the show fans will decide for BYU's That's first a lot of power. football game against Arizona on September 3rd. The oh, fans just, will decide this 24-hour poll. It's just a long time. I know. Who do I have to pay off? To we th- have to give the people, the voice of the people, some power. 
That's true. And when they become corrupt, that's when the whole thing falls. <laughs> I've read about this in the scriptures. What do the people think about the latest bracketology update for BYU basketball? So the Cougars, if you haven't joined us on the show yet, how dare you, one, but we'll update you now. They were 11 spots out. Oh, not yet. I'm handing not, you the tournament train, yet. conductor hat. Not yet. Oh. I'm saving it. <laughs> 11 spots out, according to Joe Lunardi. Midweek, right? Midweek. So he, he once a week, releases on ESPN.com and bookmark that page. It's great. Um, on Monday mornings, fresh, uh, fresh, ripe bracketology. Okay. So midweek, he said that BYU is 11 spots out. Mm-hmm. Now he has BYU five spots out. Okay, there, so what changed? So there, there's the first four out. Okay, Wake Forest, USC, Colorado, St. Joseph. Oh, Colorado. BYU played them. Next out, Brigham, Richmond, Northern Iowa. Who BYU beat. So that's BYU's best win is Northern Iowa. So BYU sits five out. Now, we talked about TeamRankings.com in connection with this. Joe Lenardi is the most credible of the bracketologists, which is now a word, bracketology. Mm-hmm. There are other people um, that do this. There are other places. Bracket Matrix is cool because it combines all of them, but I think that anyone can produce one and it throws it in the mix. They haven't updated it since Christmas Eve. Scroll up. Oh, man. Scroll up. Christmas Eve. So they're not... Bracket Matrix. Bracket What's going matrix. on, Bracket Matrix? It's not... <laughs> Are you questioning my logic? Yes. No, we're questioning your work I ethic. am. December 24th. Get to work, man. Yeah. Okay. So there's Joe Lenardi. TeamRankings.com. I don't know how they come up with these numbers, but they're interesting. It's interesting fodder, okay? They had said that BYU had a 90% chance... Was it 90? 90% chance. 95. 95% chance of yes. making the NCAA tournament if they got to 26 wins. That has dropped after last week. Uh, 26 wins... Gives you a seventy-one point seven, so seventy-two percent chance. See, and that I'm, is a huge eighteen percent no, difference. Twenty-four percent. Twenty-four percent. I did not take a math class at Brigham. <laughs> that is an eighty-five percent. Here's the thing: if BYU wins twenty-six games, they're getting in the tournament. Well, here's what's going to happen. Come no, on, no matter what's going to happen, unless BYU wins the league, you're going to be nervous on Selection Sunday. That's just the way it is. Because right now, BYU is a bubble program. There's nothing wrong with that. Just know what it is. BYU hasn't won a regular season conference championship in uh, you know four seasons. It'll be if BYU doesn't do it five this year. Regular or tournament, it's been 15 years. So BYU is a team that unless they have uh, Jimmer Fredette yeah. and those amazing yeah. teams and and compete, that, they're a kind of bubbleish team, which is okay. Well, here's it just my, makes you nervous yes, down the stretch. Yes, it makes you thing. nervous Thursday night at nine. When you're playing Santa Clara and they challenge Gonzaga, you need all those wins. Here's my thing. People that are like, BYU, that's just not happening this year. They don't have any quality wins. They haven't even played half the season. Give them a chance. How could you possibly make that call this early? Give them a chance to play Gonzaga at home. Give BYU a chance to play St. Mary's at home. Give them a chance to play Gonzaga on the road for crying out loud. Give them a chance to play those games before you say, oh, nope, not getting in. Those same People saw Stanford lose to Northwestern and was like, this team's a joke. They're done. They won the Rose Bowl. And Ohio State lose to Virginia Tech the first game of last right. season. You just, listen, I'm Thursday night, I'm sitting there going, man, that was a win that BYU needed, and it's, it's tough. BYU wasn't supposed to win that game against an 11-1, and 10-1 St. Mary's. Yeah, on did the, you expect, like, I, honestly, did you expect, like, they should have won that game? I feel like BYU should compete, uh, should have competed a little better, but they shot 27% in the first half. But there's still, how many games left in conference? 16? 16 games left in conference play? three against Gonzaga or St. Mary's. There's opportunities out there. The whip hits next.
BYU Sports Nation presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. To the moustached man. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Men's basketball. Yo, men's hoops began conference play in the West Coast Conference 1-1 one one on the road last week. Lost St. Mary's and then beat Pacific Saturday 81-67. Jerem's not shaving his mustache until BYU men's basketball loses again. ESPN's Joe Lenardi released a new bracketology this morning. The Cougars are at the top of the next four-out category. That means they're fifth out after that loss to St. Mary's and the win over Pacific. Cougars in the NFL. The Lions wrapped up the regular season with a 24-20 win over Dub Bears. Kyle Van Oy got a tackle. Ziggy Onside, three tackles and a sack, which give him 14 and a half on the season, tied for third in the league, and one sack behind the Lions record. Pointing at you, Jay Cutler. The Chiefs' Daniel Sorensen recorded two tackles in a 23-17 win against Ben Bagley's Raiders, and now they'll face the Texans in the wildcard game this week. Women's basketball. BYU women's hoops remained perfect at home, led by Kylie Maeda, 17 points, tying a career high in a 79-62 win over Pacific. Also, Lexi Rydalch, the college sports madness player of the week after two wins last week. She averaged 24 points, six rebounds, and six assists last week. Good. Jimmer! Westchester Knicks fell short last night at home, 116-105 against Santa Cruz Warriors. Jimmer scored 27 points, six assists, four rebounds. Cougars overseas. Tyler Haas had five points and a couple of rebounds in Rio Natura Mombus Obradoiro's 104-103 victory over Andorra in overtime. Not bad for a South Korean mission. Thank you. Football. Troy Warner uh, played over the weekend in the Semper Fi All-American Bowl. Uh, his team lost 28-13, but Troy tweeted, wasn't what I anticipated, but thankful to have gotten this experience. Next stop, Provo. It's going to be nonstop grinding. Finally, he has our tagline. Yes. Nonstop grind. <laughs> Future guests he's, he's Greg in class Swain. today, so he's here. The Vidmars gold medalist Peter Gymnast, uh, gymnastics and uh, his daughter Emily, who competes for BYU. Very cool, elite. Listen, gymnastics. Anytime family. we can have a, a Olympian, let alone a gold yes. medalist in here, get yes. him in here. Jeff Judkins will join us as well. Today's rise and shout brought to you by Dexter. Dexter help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. Who deserves the rise and shout? I want to give it to uh, all the BYU students that are back in class today. Okay, you've had this amazing break, and then boom, slap in the face. Got to go to class. But it's a fun time. Troy Warner's on campus. Handsome uh, Taniello, Taysom Hill is enrolled. Uh, I don't think Jamal Williams uh, is in class. That was one question. Would he you know, try and get back into school? I don't, I don't believe he is. Um, but, yeah, rise and shout to all those uh, athletic students. And, athletic and all students. the students for that. <laughs> on our crew. They're, they're back here as well. When you hear talk of BYU to the Big 12, you react How? Our elite tweet of the day from at 86 WI Coog. Reminded of the story, the boy who cried wolf. I have become numb to it at all and probably wouldn't believe it even if it should happen. <laughs> That's what it is, man. Thanks to Hanson Winder, Trevor, and everyone on, Maddich and everyone on our crew. Use hashtag BYUSN on Twitter. Weigh in.